Welcome to an inquiry into freedom with your hosts Ron Harlow and yours truly Alan Paul. We'll explore the who, what, where, when, why, and how of freedom and its importance to human beings, social systems, government, and culture. We are a free speech platform which discusses freedom and its impact on multiple subjects. These subjects include the United States Constitution, politics, religion, freedom of speech and expression, censorship laws, and current events. And now to your hosts, Ron Harlow and Alan Paul. Uh, welcome to an inquiry into freedom with Ron Harlow and Alan Paul. So we're going to dive back into the uh, Pelosi, Paul Pelosi attack here. And um, before we do, I'm going to play a clip here with uh, Tucker and, and kind of get his... He's always got something interesting to say. So Tucker Carlson from Fox News. We ran the attack on Paul Pelosi in San Francisco last Friday night. We couldn't, and we still can't. It's not gotten any clearer in the past 24 hours. Police in San Francisco, for reasons that are not clear and not defensible, are still refusing to release the body camera footage, which would answer most questions. And now there are more questions about why the Pelosi home was supposedly unguarded that night. According to CBS News, after January 6th, Nancy Pelosi moved hundreds of Capitol Hill police officers to field offices in Tampa and San Francisco. Did you know that? She's got her own police force now? The point was to protect members of Congress, presumably from Donald Trump's QAnon army. So there was a field office of the Capitol Hill police in San Francisco, according to this news account, and yet somehow there was no security at the Speaker of the House's home on Friday night? That doesn't make sense at all. You know what doesn't make sense either? Is the supposed blog of the man accused, David DePappy. Take a look at it. It reads like a left-wing activist idea of what a QAnon extremist would post. So this guy was homeless, mentally ill, and addicted to drugs. Who paid to register the site? The first time the site appeared on archiving services was the day of the attack. What does that, add, what does that mean? Like, how could you explain that? Maybe there's a good explanation. I'm not alleging anything. Just asking questions, as they say, but those are fair questions to ask. But no one in the media is going to ask those questions. Why? So I'm going to stop there real quick, and I want to make a comment. Is this not what I said the last time we talked? He's, he's, he's running theories through his head like an investigator would. He's running questions through his mind. Right. Why are these things this way? And so... I had the unfortunate experience uh, day before yesterday, maybe yesterday, of running across a campaign speech with uh, Bacroc, insane uh, Odumba, and he's talking about this and is doing what the left typically does. He's blaming it on Republicans and right, a right-wing extremist. There's no evidence. They have no evidence of such thing. To be uh, more specific, they they actually kind of have evidence that he's not a right winger. He's not a Republican. He's not a MAGA ultra MAGA guy. He's the opposite. He's a left winger. But for campaign reasons and for political gain. This jackass, who, who is arguably in the top three worst presidents ever in this country, is out there saying in front of a whole ton of people on social media and, and the, I don't know, four or five hundred maybe that happened to be at his rally. 
is saying that this is this is what you're going to get if you elect Republicans. This is the divisiveness, and this is the hate, and this is this and that. All negative stuff. What did you do for eight years? What have we heard for the last two years? And I don't like the whataboutism shit. So, I'm kind of breaking my own rule by bringing this up. But but you have to. Um, we, we're we're not here to discuss what Trump did. You can you can say that, well, Trump did this and Trump said that. I don't care. This isn't about Trump. This is about a former president talking about a guy who attacked someone in his party, making up a story with no factual evidence. If he hasn't seen the body camera, and we haven't seen the body camera, we haven't seen any footage, we haven't had any reports show up, any pol- we haven't read any police reports, how can he go out in public and say that? It's not right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what, I, what they like to call misinformation, is it not? Well, I mean, so we have to hear that too, don't we? That that the Russians interfered and there was all this misinformation and whatever Donald Trump says or Republican says, it's misinformation and blah, blah, freaking blah. But you're, you're, you're two-faced because you're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. We don't want... Here, here's the thing. I, I'll go out. On, I'll go out on a limb here and say that the vast majority of the public in this country are sick of all of it. It doesn't matter who's saying it. Right. Just why don't you just stick to the issues? How about some policies? How about some? How about some solutions to twenty-three days worth of diesel left? How about some issues uh, and policies and solutions to? There's no food on the shelves when you go to the grocery store. How about some some solutions and some policies that are that are not we're going to pay off student loan because college should be free. Nothing is fucking free. That'll have to be bleeped out. Um, it, it's it's so frustrating. I'm going to play some more of this. Glenn Greenwald is an independent journalist. His work is on Substack. He joins us tonight to assess. Substack. Glenn, what, th- thanks so much for coming on. So everybody feels, obviously, um, pain thinking of an 82-year-old man being hit with a hammer. It's like the worst thing imaginable. Well, it's quite common now. But why should the rest of us sit here and accept obvious inconsistencies in a story that has public policy implications and not say anything? We obviously shouldn't, and I think this is the most important point about all of this, which is how many millions of people have been conditioned to believe that it's immoral or even some kind of reflection of mental illness, like you're a conspiracy theorist, if you don't immediately and unquestionably accept whatever story is told to you by institutions of authority. And the amazing thing about that, Tucker, is that this framework is being constructed by journalists, people. So I'm going to stop it there. How many times have you and I talked about that same exact thing with the, that that guy just said? Listen, we didn't play this video beforehand. This is something that I just pulled up randomly. This isn't something that was pre-planned. Again, this this show is unscripted. We just go off the cuff. 
We've talked about this very thing. That the media and all the politicians automatically jump to ultra MAGA or it's a Republican right winger. Uh, you know, it's extreme right. With no, no evidence whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all they had was rumor. So is that... Is, all right, good point. So do we... Do we now conduct ourselves and come to a conclusion based on rumor and innuendo? Well, that's what they want us to do. Well, meaning the so called journalist that he referred to. I mean, that was a real journalist that was being interviewed. Yeah, well, let's. let's I mean, he's, he's really top drawer. But yep. he's this word journalist is used entirely too loosely. If you have a journalism degree, then you're a journalist. And I'm like, no, that's just an idea. That's, you know, I don't go build myself as whatever, an economist, even though I have one of my degrees is in economics. Mm -hmm. I don't call myself an economist. Mm -hmm. And just because... Uh, someone may have a journalism degree. They're not a journalist. So, um, but he is. So, um, I, I think that's something that needs to start getting changed in our language is giving someone that um, prima facie recognition that they're an expert at something, that they're knowledgeable, that they're trustworthy, etc. Yeah. And using the word journalist has always been the way that these people would get their foot in the door to refer to one another. You know, they'd start talking about some rumor printed in the New York Times, and all of a sudden, everyone in the country is talking about it, who is a quote-unquote journalist. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it's just bullshit. Well, guess what? This story is bullshit, too. Well, so, you, I think you would find more truth and 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 be more comfortable with hearing stories from an independent journalist, here's the problem. Independent journalists get treated like um, what's his first name? Well, you're the red-headed stepchild is what you are. Uh, the no, guy, the, the guy that got hit in the head in, at the Antifa riot, Stephen. No, uh, Stephen. No. Yeah, I think you're right there. N G O. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's an independent journalist who yeah. was covering a riot and has some brain damage. Uh, definitely had some, you know serious injuries who, who's not on any particular side i mean you know some people will say oh he's right wing well i mean i don't think he's any wing but he, but he's a guy that's gonna at least try to give you the true story as as he sees it and reports it and and you know, for all intents and purposes, is is not taken seriously. If you if you walk into so uh, this is a First Amendment issue, 
in the First Amendment, you have freedom of press. Which means, who is the press, Ron? Well, if you're going, basically means it basically means that you have the freedom of speech and writing. But but I mean, if you if you go by the Constitution, who is a member of the press? Anyone. Anyone everyone. who is writing everyone. something down. Everyone. Because exactly. there's freedom of speech that is verbal, and there's freedom of speech that's written down. Right. Because Thomas Jefferson owned a, owned a newspaper. Basically, they were a one-page pamphlets in those days. So did John Adams. So did uh, thousands of people in one town. You know, people would go around and pick up three or four leaflets, and that was their news for the day. And that was the press. Mm-hmm. It was anyone who... Who wrote something down and then ran it through a machine press to print it so people could read it? That's that's the press. All right. It's so not, it's not a journalism degree. Right. Well, so that we we had talked about that before. Who issues credentials? Right. There is there right. is no official organization or government entity or or any office somewhere that you call and say, hey, I've got a journalism degree. I need you to print out my press credentials. There's no such entity, right? So everybody, if I have a camera in my hand and I start recording, I'm a journalist. There's something happening in front of me or whatever, or I take pictures of a car accident, you know, I'm a journalist. I, I, I am press. Why is it that I can't... So, here, here's what I could do. I have a printer right here next to my desk. And I could print out some press credentials. We have a, a company. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, the company I work for is an inquiry into freedom. I am now a credentialed journalist. Oh, no. Do you really want to lower our No, I don't. No, I don't. But I'm getting somewhere. (laughs) Why can't I walk into the White House at the press briefing? Because the White House Press Association has to approve it. Why? That's part of the deal. Which is what? Bullshit. It's unconstitutional because everybody is, is the press. According to the Constitution, everybody in this country is press. But that's how they organize it. I mean, it doesn't mean it can't be changed. Trump tried to. And, uh, I mean, we all saw what the press was like to him, and they only got worse. But, you know, if if he was reelected, I think we could see a a huge number of things that he fought back on. Uh, He's going to fight back on harder. But... People are really, I mean, assholes like everyone in the press, basically. Yeah, and and, and so what they do is... Mass media, I mean, I'm talking about the, the corporate media mm-hmm. that runs 90% of things. Right. Those people are going to be uh, mad as wet hens because they'll be locked out of the White House. Yeah, oh, well, and, 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 and another point that I wanted to make was, look what happens to somebody like Stephen No, who, who tries to to be a independent unbiased journalist whether he's whether he's got a fox news lanyard on or, or or whatever or or an inquiry into freedom lanyard it doesn't matter you don't even need that yeah 
There's nothing about him. You're going to get your head bashed in because people don't like, you You know, you're not on a side. Right. And you're not a real journalist. Well, what constitutes a real journalist? The degree in journalism? Uh, you have a TV show? We have a podcast? Does that make me a journalist? Everybody's a journalist. You can well, go to school for as long as you want to. Basically, journalists, the, that entire issue and that that profession, which is basically the same as prostitution, <laughs> yeah. as far as professions, yeah. that, you know, they, they basically do whatever the person who pays them to do. I mean, they'll perform anything for the money now. I mean, this isn't like people who have any kind of a honor code. So, I mean, I hear the old timers trying to defend what goes on in journalism schools and everything. I happen to see a professor of journalism from University of Missouri, who a, was a professor and a friend of uh, one of my friends, who's also got a journalism degree from Missouri, trying to defend what uh, some, what uh, was a claim about Dan Rather. It's like, oh, he's more of a journalist than anyone today. And we're all like, yeah. Yeah, he's a Dan, sellout. Dan Rather was basically the the original fake news Yeah, boy. he was the first sellout, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the origin, origin of fake news. Yeah. I mean, and that was back in the 60s. That actually started during the, uh, in the aftermath of the Kennedy uh, assassination is when he started lying. So, you know, and this clown who's a, still a professor there, just trying to defend Dan Rather, and we're like, yeah. You know what's um, funny about that too, though. Who you? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny about that too, though, is that uh, the 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 limited amount of times that anybody spends with Dan Rather. The older he seems to get, the more the more uh, untruthful he per, he comes across. Like he, oh, really? he just he just he he dug himself a grave a long time ago. He just digs it deeper every time he goes on on somebody's. You know, he's interviewed or he's on a show or whatever. He just makes himself look even more foolish. And and he tries, you know. I'm sure he tweets and stuff. I don't have Twitter. I don't want it. Um, he's just a fake person. Yeah. And uh, he 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 <laughs> uh, he pretty much he had a very good career to that point that you're talking about, and he destroyed himself. <coughs> well, I mean, where he destroyed himself was in the Bush administration, but. You know, he was pushing, he was pumping fake news, uh, claiming he was in a certain position when when uh, Kennedy was assassinated, mm-hmm. and he wasn't there. I mean, he was in Dallas, and he was on the other side of the bridge, but um, he was claiming he was in a certain place, and he was not there. Why? Why? He, start, he started then. And then he started even more when he was over in Vietnam reporting. And it continued in the 70s with Nixon. And uh, him and Roger Mudd, those two clowns, 
Um, and then uh, he basically uh, did himself in when he manufactured all of that stuff with uh, Bush. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy is just trash. I don't what? know why why listen do, to anything yeah why let me ask you a question why but, but at any rate we're, we're going overtime on that when it's basically they get away and then i say they meaning these so-called people who are professional journalists because they have a group think in their their so-called profession where basically 90 percent of them are incredibly left-wing marxists uh, well, not all of them are that bad of a Marxist, but they're all up, they're all playing on one team. Yeah. And they all sit around and they agree with one another on most things and they cover each other's rear ends. And it's basically their little country club. And if you're not one of them, then you cannot become one of them when it comes to access or prestige or reputation. You're just blackballed. So well, the, the the press corps is now the the left wing propaganda corps. Oh yeah. I, I, or if you're Barack Obama, you would say corpse. Yeah, like the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah. like the Marine well, Corps. Well, they just have no integrity. I don't know. You and I can we can make up a story, and it turns out to be more true than what. The media reported, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, this whole thing with with Paul Pelosi, what I was making up two days ago, is starting to look like, oh, that sounds like it's eerily on target. Yeah, let I mean, not not that it was intended to be, but right. it was like, oh my God, this is like, uh, what the hell? How do they have a, a whole bunch of uh, cops from? the capital police and she sends them to two different other cities three different other cities and no one's watching the video feed of the security tape well isn't it awful strange too so it people need to this is the where the critical thinking comes in right people need to stop and think about what you just said and then isn't it awful strange that on january 6th her daughter was there filming a documentary involving Nancy Pelosi and the film, you know, the people filming it happened to be there. And, uh, I mean, all these things start to, you know, the conspiracy theorist, right? I'm the conspiracy theorist here. These things, but they, they point in a certain direction. You can't, like you said the other day, conspiracy theories have a root cause for the conspiracy theory to arise and then it's kind of like stereotypes there there's a there's some truth in a stereotype yeah there's some truth in a conspiracy theory and sometimes a conspiracy theory does is no longer a conspiracy theory it's actually the story right it's the true story mm. and it's awful strange that these these coincidences, like you were talking about, the Capitol Police are sent to different places, and then on January 6th, they're filming a documentary with a film crew, and and then it turns into a, you know, an insurrection. Um, but let's let's play the last like minute of this guy, and we'll go from there. 
whose primary purpose in life is supposed to be to question and challenge the claims of the powerful and instead they're demonizing anybody who does so. Skepticism itself can never be wrong. Skepticism says there's evidentiary holes and there's faulty reasoning in what we're being told. Even if evidence does emerge later on to prove it, the skepticism itself was not just valid but necessary. So Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. The Russians blew up their own pipeline. Julian Assange is a criminal. I mean, maybe we're in the habit of just accepting the most ludicrous possible claims and moving on to the next thing. That's, it feels like where we are. I, I mean, I remember, you know, Victoria Nuland, who's the State Department official in charge of Ukraine, went before Congress and said, we're really worried that you, the U.S. and Ukraine have biological labs that are very dangerous, and if they fall into the Russian hands, it can be a disaster. And anyone who said, wait, what does she mean, was instantly branded a conspiracy theorist. How many people were called conspiracy theorists <laughs> because they question whether the vaccine works the way they were told to work or anything exactly. else? This is what they do is demonize questioning. Dude, that was, I think you were on that night. What, bio labs in Ukraine? Shut up, Putin apologist! <laughs> Glenn Greenwald, always do like a palate cleanser, a, 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 the fresh air of sanity coming into the studio. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. It, how can you know? You know, how does anybody not like Tucker? Whether you're, you agree with him or not, it's just, it's, it's so, well, it's, he's just having so much fun. He does. The guy enjoys his work, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and, he sure does. And he's doing things live, and I'm like, my goodness, I, there's no way I could do that. I mean, granted, I'm not... I You're doing it right now. You're underestimating well, yeah, yourself. Yeah, I make more mistakes than <laughs> one phone call than, yeah, than well, he makes for an entire year. But but so, he, but I he's mean, a trained journalist, right? That well, uh, he's proven you know, he, he's he, a journalist, though. He's sure. he's actually proven the reputation, like him or not, that he's a true journalist. And and you can argue and hate him or whatever, but. He can back up what he says. Oh yeah. He, he just he he may or may not be able to back up the point he's trying to make, but he makes you think. I I find that I learn something from him every time. Mm -hmm. And just you know, and he's a conservative, but he has a more uh, libertarian background. He didn't really become more conservative until I think after he started having kids, but. Uh, and then, of course, they had he's interviewing with Glenn Greenwald, which I can't remember. He stopped. Said. He stopped. He started being conser a conservative conservative when he stopped wearing his bow tie. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, but Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, you know, he wrote he's founded. I'm sorry, Amazon. liberal. I meant liberal. Sorry, misspoke. But go yeah. ahead. But, but Glenn Greenwald founded The Intercept and he now lives in uh, Brazil. And he's a, was known as a very left-wing guy. It, it just you're talking about the guy of, he was just talking to. Yeah, that's yeah, Glenn Greenwald. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is that he insists on people having factual stories, mm -hmm. and so he's a traditional journalist. And and Glenn Greenwald is a very good journalist. And he's on Substack a lot. Um, but the guy knows his stuff. 
And he's very worth listening to. And Tucker has a lot of folks like that on there that aren't like him necessarily politically. In fact, he does better with the people who are not like him, but when they can share some common ground. And that's, I think, what makes the country good, too, is when two people can talk and work through how to fix the potholes, even though there's nothing else to have in common. But they can agree on fixing the damn potholes. Well, fine, fix them. Uh, you know, I don't care about everything else. I don't want my tie rods going out or whatever. So, but uh, Greenwald's very good. Uh, and he's as frustrated as everyone else with all of this stuff. But, I mean, how do you have, how do you call um, someone an election denier and yet, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't John Kerry the original election denier and then Hillary Clinton? The, Al Gore. It, yeah. I mean, they're all election deniers. All those people in their, in their pink, I'm a stupid uh, Marxist feminist hat. Remember that? Oh, they yeah. They were rioting yeah. and, and threatening to blow up the White House and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing ever happened to those people, but they were all denying that it was a legitimate election. Aren't those all election deniers? Well, it's it's funny how terms only get only go one way. So again, I said it last time, but I'm still waiting for the the mass media. I refuse to call them mainstream media because they're not. So the mass media, the corporate mass media, which is what they really are, I'm still waiting for them to jump the gun on a story and report that some left-winger attacked some right-winger and and that it all turned out to be wrong in the end. Because right now, they always do the opposite. Some right-winger you know, they, they say a right-winger attacked left-winger, and it's all wrong, but no one cares by the time it's over with because they've moved on to the next allegation. Well, one time I'd like to hear a left-winger falsely accused of attacking a right-winger. And it... You're going to wait a long time. I know, right? I'm like, okay, so... It has never happened. I mean, so far, uh, the corporate mass media is unencumbered with success when it comes to accusing, falsely accusing uh, leftists of doing something. Mm-hmm. They only accuse people who are not Marxists. So, you know, screw them. You know, why even talk about it is my point. I mean, they're not, they're just... They're there to create confusion now. They're not even there to report news. They're there to create confusion, to generate uh, propaganda. And uh, I just don't see any point in paying attention to it. No, and it, it, so that makes it very hard for the average American um, to, you know, to get the actual news story. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like yeah. Greenwald was... Uh, I think that's you said. Greenwald mm-hmm. is his last. That's what he's pointing out. It, 
in in part of what his analysis is, which is he even said, "We're you and I are skeptical, and and it's okay to be skeptical. At least it used to be. Uh, now you have to either go along with whatever uh, news outlet that you watch is telling you." And, and the thing about Tucker that I like more than anything is how he challenges that. And, and whether, like, like you said, whether you like the way he does it or not, it, it's you have to look at it from a different perspective. Not from a right wing or a left wing or, or, or any of that nonsense, a political party. Look at how he challenges people that are on his show. And he gives them the opportunity to answer the way they want to. What he doesn't do is allow them to answer the way they want to. Like, like I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to beat around the bush and I'm not going to answer the question. Or, like, I, I watched this clip here. I'm going to play like a minute of it. Um, this is uh, Senator Patrick Maloney from New York. I don't know that he's even a. Or uh, Sh- uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, congressman from New York. I don't even know if he's even no, in no, Congress no, no, anymore. No, no. And the, and the- no he's actually losing. Uh, he's the chair of the DCCC. As he the, should, uh, because this guy's yeah. an idiot. Yeah, he, he the is congressional uh, campaign committee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's one of the. He's one of the the um, the architects of. The destruction of, of of the fabric of society. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, he's just a bad guy. So, so this is a conversation uh, from. Um, oh, when was this? This is about five years ago, when when the hot topic was transgenders in the military, and and what this guy does. I'll, I'll just play the clip get pregnant and they may incur additional medical costs so we shouldn't allow women to serve in no, the military but i would say I think hold what on, we would so, say so first of all i'm not that, arguing that i'm arguing something very specific so don't liken it to another argument second the any question that bears on military readiness is a direct question i'm a patriotic person i would love to serve the country i'm too old it takes me 27 minutes to run 5k i'm not qualified so the question is not what's empowering for me, it's what's good for the national defense. And that's not the lens through which you're looking at But this. Kristen Beck is qualified and performed heroically on SEAL Team 6. Look, I'm not attacking and, Kristen and, Beck. I'm merely saying no, Kristen you Beck are was not... Excuse me, you are I, directly I love, attacking You know what, I, I think well, it's very frustrating speaking with ideologues me. like you excuse because me. everything you disagree with is an attack on someone. Tucker, you are... And I am not attacking you Kristen Beck. You are defending Beck. a policy that would remove a, a decorated member of SEAL Team you know 6 from the are, United States military. Are, if that's not an attack, sir, I don't know what is. You are an extremist posing as a rational person. Well, it, I'm trying to have a rational debate, and you're telling me I'm attacking a Navy SEAL, which I'm emphatically not doing. Well, and you should be ashamed for using such a low tactic in what I'm trying to make a rational conversation. It is a fact that, that I'm a woman named a Kristen SEAL. Beck would right. not be allowed to Who have did performed not serve her service. As a transgender which person also means that the taxpayers so incurred no health care costs associated with that, which is also a fact that is at play here. The fact This is why we can't solve that, problems, because people who po- Yes, it is. Because what you're doing is spewing because propaganda kick, and saying... No, because kick. I'm asking honest questions, and you're throwing back dumb propaganda in my face and calling me a bigot. I think you have to own the implications own of, the what implication. the, of the position right. you support. And it would mean that people who are serving with distinction are being separated from the military for an arbitrary reason. This is why... And it's wrong. Okay, I'll tell you why. This is why the Pentagon didn't announce it themselves today. 
because this policy has very limited support in the Pentagon, but they're afraid because of demagogues like you That's a very that they're going to be attacked for saying what is obvious, which is the point of the military is to win wars. And saying that Agreed. will get people like you Agreed. to call them bigots, that's so they standard. don't want to say it. That's my standard. Right. We You're want a, a military that's going to win wars, and, and the people who are serving with distinction are part of that. And by the way, right. they're earning those benefits that, that, we're, that we're providing to them. Right. Okay. They're earning it by putting their I'm lives a, I'm, on the And they're doing right. more than you and I ever will to protect our country. And before we go okay. after Stop them, your demagoguery. I'm, I'm, I've, I've I, had enough. I, I, I think, <laughs> God, as, how can anybody? I don't care. I don't care what side you're on. How can anybody not sit there and listen to it and go? At least, at least he's standing up and saying, I, I, "You're not playing this game here. You're not pulling yeah, this nonsense." I, I, I would just unplug him myself because the, he's the guy's. The guy's just lying. The well, the person he's talking about was on was serving on SEAL Team Six. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But after he left service, he decided to change into a sheet. Right. So this clown is saying that that we lose people like that who are, would have not served on SEAL Team Six. Well, no, he he did serve on SEAL Team Six. Yeah, he wasn't expelled from the military. Or, no, not at all. Yeah. So, you know, nothing, you know, he, fine. And and I don't know that I have a problem with uh, transgender or women or whatever serving in the military. Um, I know some people do, but I think for the most part, I'm fine for someone serving wherever. It's just... In some branches of the service, it's probably a little more appropriate for certain folks than in others. Uh, it, it just kind of depends on the situation. Like being a single-seat fighter pilot, uh, I don't care. I want you to be able to be a great... You know, I posted something on Facebook not too long ago, the first Filipino um, woman fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. And she can fly, man. She's she's no longer flying now. She flew the F twenty two. She's a heck of a fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. Well, who cares if she's female or not, man? She's she can fly an airplane. Um, and I think it, it was it was BS to not let them fly. You know, one of the best uh, fighter pilots we had in the uh, late forties and fifties was a woman. Um, she used to do uh, acrobatics and stuff with uh, Chuck Yeager, and uh, boy, I just—I always knew this. Uh, there was another fellow um, who flew with Yeager, Bob. Oh, all the aviation people out there will know his name. His name was Bob. What can I say? <laughs> so you know, he left the military, and he did a lot of test pilot stuff that in. Uh, private corporations, whereas Jaeger stayed in the military and did test pilot stuff. But this guy was a great pilot. But there was a female pilot that used to fly F-86s. In fact, if I have, if I'm remembering this correctly, she flew the uh, F-86 in a movie that John Wayne was in that uh, was about uh, flying the 
jets. And uh, she was a great pilot, but at that time they didn't allow women uh, in the military doing that sort of thing. I think that's bad. Were you talking about Bob Hoover? Hoover, that's his name. Yep, that's his name. Great pilot. Um, Passed away, but at any rate, um, she was a good pilot. And I, I just figure that uh, I don't care who you are. If you want to serve the country like that, then well, and I and I think that even so, again, I'm going to shock some conservatives and say that, um, or Republicans, that I don't have a problem with uh, transgender or LGBTQ uh, members of society serving in the military. To put this this argument or this clip into context it was after during donald trump's presidency where he said after consultation with my generals and military experts please be advised that the united states government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the u.s military our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming uh victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. That was his tweet. So that that's controversial, right? Because automatically that is flipped and manip- manipulated to say Donald Trump is transphobic, he's homophobic. When in reality if i was to hear somebody say that i'm thinking okay um he he's tagging medical costs and and disruption so if billy bob enters the military and wants to become mary jane the focus isn't on the mission anymore. It's on that person transitioning from Billy Bob to Mary Jane and all of the costs and all of the, you know, treatments and all of the medications and all the stuff that goes along with that. It's distracting from, from the military's mission. And what is the mission of the military? As stated during this clip, it's to win wars. And the last thing a general needs to be worried about is Billy Bob wanting to be Mary Jane. I get it. Some people might not like what I just had to say. And nor is it the military's responsibility and and is it their their, uh, mission to worry about having to enable a person to change from a man to a woman or vice versa. It's distracting from from their mission. So, in this case, and and correct me if I'm saying anything wrong here, but in this case, the the person that they were talking about didn't didn't transition while serving on SEAL Team Six, and was no longer in the military. Exactly. So so there's not a problem with that. It's kind of like. It's kind of like some of these people that are in prison that want to have a sex change or transition from a male to a female or vice versa. 
and and here's another example of my tax dollars go towards that. Why can't I opt out? I don't want to participate in that. Tax dollars aren't spent in the military for transgender reassignment. They're spent for military readiness, for uh, you know, ammunition, for upgrades to our our weapon systems, whatever tanks, uh, you know, fighter planes, whatever they need it for. Not for transitions. If you want to serve as a transgender individual, by all means. But that doesn't mean that you you know you're entitled to you know the surgery and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Serve your time. Uh, you know, I, I, it's it's hard to talk about that. Um, well, basically, it's a. I look at it like it's an elective surgery. Exactly. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's something I don't like about myself, and I want to change it, and I want you to pay for it. Well, uh, sorry. You know, it's not like you have uh, tonsillitis. Right. We all can get that. Mm-hmm. You have something that you want to do that, it, like it or not, it's cosmetic surgery. You know, it's, it's trying to make your, change your body to conform with something you have in your mind. Right. And fine. I'm, <clears throat> if you want to do that, do that. I don't care. As long as you're an adult and you're paying for it yourself. You can go smoke a joint before and after two for all I care. You know, I'm fine with that. Just do it, you mm-hmm. know. But don't ask me to pay for it. And don't demand for me to pay for it. Right. And don't and and don't make other demands too that are correlated to all that. So, you know, it's basically what do I keep saying? It's all confusion. Well, and I wanted to Not, put some context with, with that that little short, because that's an eight-minute-long, a uh, little over eight-minute-long back and forth between those two, and and what it had to do with, and the fact that what he's saying at the end there, like Tucker's trying to point out, is you're you're not being honest, and and this is the real issue. The issue is readiness. The issue is the costs. It's the it's the the. Uh, the disruption that that causes, and it's not like they're, you know, you know, how many soldiers do we have in our military combined? I mean, I don't know what that number is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm quite sure that you know. I think there was a number flashed up on the screen that there were 6,600 um, people that identified as transgender in the military. I'm assuming that's going to be all military combined. Um. It's not a huge number, uh, you know. But if all sixty six hundred of them wanted to have reassignment surgery and you know all this other stuff, I mean, it's just, it's distracting. Mm-hmm. And and that's the point. It's not. It doesn't mean that somebody's transphobic. It doesn't mean that they don't like gay or lesbian people. And 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 you know, gay and lesbian people. You know, not to discriminate, uh, aren't as much of a distraction, and they're you know, they're not asking for, uh, you know, surgery to remove body parts or to add body parts or anything like that. It's not the same as if you get your leg blown off in combat, right? 
Well, yeah, I, I, I get the distraction piece. It's just that, you know, I'm not someone who is a, a team player, which most of the military is. Yeah. You know, I'm a, not, a, I, I get along fine in teams generally, but I kind of like to do my own thing. So, in the military, the closest to that is someone uh, like a lone sniper or a lone uh, bombing mission or a lone fighter pilot mission or something like that, mm-hmm. where you're, um, it's you, maybe one or two other people, and you're otherwise you're on your own. That's the, that's the military phrase, right? You're on your own. Something happens, they'll come look at us. That's what they did to the Benghazi guys, even though it's not what they signed up for. <clears throat> it is what happened to them. Yeah. They were basically told, you're on your own. We're not going to back yet. In which case, I would do the same thing all those guys did. Basically, it was just say, well, screw you. Uh, you know, uh, it's inexcusable what happened to those guys. But I fit that mentality better. It's like when I run my business, it's my business. Right. There's no team. It's my business. Yeah. And you know, yeah, there's there's people who work in the business and everything, and I look at them as as teammates, if you will. But I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what everyone has to say. But at the when the day's done, it's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. Well, if if there's a decision that has to be made, and and there's five different decisions that could be made, and you have no idea which one could be the one that works, and and I go along with everyone else, or I do what I want to do, regardless. But whatever happens, the the money to pay for that mistake if it turns out to be a mistake comes out of my pocket not out of anyone else's that it's my responsibility as a business owner well so my point is this it's with the whole elon musk purchase of twitter um he privatized it it's no longer a publicly traded company um you know, he went in and fired, you know, some top executives. And then the, the employees send him a demand letter. And my first reaction to that, if I were in Elon Musk's shoes, is I would fire every single employee that sent me a demand letter. Yeah. It's not your company. You're in no position to make demands. It's, it's one thing to make a suggestion or have a grievance right it's another thing to demand anything when you have no power and control it's not your company if i had an employee come up to me and say i demand that you give me three hours for lunch well how about i give you all the time you want and you just take a hike yeah because it's not your company and you're in no position to make a demand for me at all. Yeah, if they're such an expert 
how to run it, then go they can open go your, own. your own company. Go exactly. open, yeah, go open right. your own company. But in the meantime, <laughs> yeah. but in the meantime, if you if you want to stay here, you don't have any you you have zero right to make a demand for anything. I mean, if I'm preventing you from going to the bathroom and you demand to use the bathroom, that's not what I'm talking about. But you have no right or power, authority, or anything to demand how I deem to run this business. At all. So I demand that you go find another job. (laughs) That's my answer. Well, sure. And so... When I say it's a dictatorship, it's not a democracy, it, it kind of is. Because at the end of the day, Ron, Ron Harlow owns the company. It's his company. He runs it as he, how, as he see fit, as he sees fit. You're the dictator, right? Mm-hmm. You know, dictate, yeah. being a dictator is not that evil of a word to use, uh, you know, in, in, depending on the context. Um, but you know, I have my own company. Um, nobody's going to dictate to me. I'm going to dictate to them. Now I will do that within the, the, um, confines of the law. You know, I'm not going to, you know, tell somebody to. You know, walk off the edge of that roof over there. Um, you know, I'll treat them fair. I'll treat them with respect. I'll treat them uh, the way the law dictates and fair and equal. You know, everybody's treated the same and, and with dignity and all that that good stuff, that kumbaya stuff. But as far as how I run my company, that's none of your business. It just yeah. it just kills me. <laughs> I I had to laugh out loud when I when I saw the the report on that where the the employees of Twitter demand send a demand letter, send their demands to the uh, the new owner of Twitter. Really? What what where did that where did that mentality come from? Yeah, you know, what is somebody thinking at their work space or? At their desk or whatever. I'm gonna send a I'm gonna send a demand letter to the owner. Well yeah, I mean <laughs> I just I, I and I get the fact that I'm a different generation than the generation going on right now. But where do you get the idea it's anyone other than the owner or the shareholders who are the owners in a public company? Um, where does a employee get the idea that they uh, have a right to demand anything? I mean, some of that comes out of the union stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's this is going on in non-unionized companies. So... You know, it's just an attitude that uh, thou shalt um, treat me as an equal. You know, it's the equity uh, bullshit. And uh, sorry, but, you know, you haven't earned the right to be treated as an equal. Now, all that said, anyone who's ever worked for me knows that, well, there were days that I could be 
dictatorial. Mm-hmm. But almost all of the time, uh, you'd have a hard time walking into my office and recognizing by uh, anything other than behavior who the boss was. Mm-hmm. Someone might be sitting in my chair at, at the desk, at my desk. Um, might be on my computer working on it. A conversation going on and, no, no, I think we should do X. You'd have a hard time picking us out sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's a certain amount of deference that goes on with the owner of a company that, you know, there's just not much you can do to conceal that. But anyone who ever worked for me, I wanted to know what was on their mind. Because if they didn't have a mind and they're just waiting for me to tell them what to do, I don't need them. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, that's where where you say things a little more eloquently than I do. Um, And there's nothing that you said that I don't agree with 100%. I'm not saying that, you know. But you understand, though, that a lot of people don't get that. Oh, sure. They have yeah. this image that, oh, so and so is, you know, people are just like that. You know, they're authoritarian and they're. Yeah, and I'm not that way. I, it, 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 you know, from the military well, to, to my current, you know, status as a business owner, I have, there are very, very few people, whether I, I worked under them or above them that I didn't get along with. And, and I mean, as a supervisor in, in upper management, um, I was always open door policy, man. I want to hear what's on your mind. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear what, what bothers you now. I understand in those, those roles, I didn't have any power and control. And, and I think we've had a, a minimal conversation on this. There may be policies and procedures that I don't agree with, that I, along with you, but I'm not the owner of the company. So understand that that when I enforce their policies and their procedures, it's because it's their policies and their procedures. And when I mean their, it's the owners or the ownership. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I agree with them, but it's my job as a member of upper management and your supervisor to make sure that you adhere to those policies and procedures. Because, I mean, that's what we get paid to do, right? If you don't like it, if I don't like it, we have the option to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, I think the only time I think that there's an option is if there's an uh, a criminal yes. an ethic it, like I said before like if it's that. if it's unlawful it's against you know uh, uh, you know if it's discriminatory or or breaks the rules and laws of uh, equal employment opportunity and stuff like that I listen I, I would always always be on that side. Um, you know, I, I, because employers and employees, uh, you know, can take that, that authority or even owners can take that authority and abuse it by all means. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
what what I'm referring to is that you know if you have a if you have a suggestion or if you have a concern there's a way to approach that right and the way to approach that is not by sending a demand letter where you have no authority and if it's not something that's against equal opportunity employment or discriminatory or any of those things it's not unlawful then it's it's more it's more or less a, like I said a question or a suggestion at that point it's not a demand because it's you don't have the the authority to demand anything. Yeah, and I I just find that I find that to be offensive. Probably more so than what that employee from that generation is finding more offensive in their workplace. And I yeah. I, I read some of them and they were just ridiculous, you know, th- stupid, crazy things. And and I'm just gonna say this and I'll be done. I know. We're, yeah, because. The only thing even more offensive is me being late. You're <laughs> really late. I'm, I'm cutting into your nap time. Is that what I'm doing? Basically, oh no, yeah. I, I we won't mention it, but I know what you got to do. So so um, uh, what was I going to say? Something that was not nearly as important as as me getting on time. It was important. Well, I can't remember. That's that's that CRS disease creeping up. Old age. Yeah. Oh, but I know what it is. Final thought. I, w- I am glad that I will not be alive. I want to live for as long as God allows me to live, right? But I'll be glad that I won't be around long enough to see the AOCs of the world be in charge. I'm just going to finish with that. Yeah. God help them all. If we even make it that far. Well, yeah, she's in. She's not capable of running anything. So, other than her mouth. So, okay. Well, time to sign off. Yes, sir. And inquiring to freedom. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Yeah. Adios. Thanks for listening to an inquiry into freedom with your hosts, Ron Harlow and yours truly, Alan Paul. You can find us at an inquiry into where you can subscribe, send us emails and check out our new content. Thanks. And we'll see you next time until then. Stay free America.